So, hey, everyone, welcome back to Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. Today, we have a very special guest. Yes. So I am just going to let him introduce himself to you. So go ahead, Timothy, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into gardening and why you're so passionate about it. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, my name is Timothy Hammond. Currently live in Houston. I guess I'm, I'm from Houston. I don't know. I've been gardening for... For as long as I can really remember, I guess my parents, they really got me into gardening because both of them, they're avid gardeners, even still to this day, right? My mom, she lives in London now, but she's always showing me pictures of things she gets out of her garden. And my dad, he still he still does his gardening thing. Yeah, so I just thoroughly enjoy gardening and I really think everybody should also enjoy gardening. So I'm kind of on a mission to get as many people to like gardening as possible. And uh, tell us a little bit about your background, because I know we share, we share, boop, boop, Jamaica. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, both of my parents are Jamaican. My grandparents, like as far back as you go, they're Jamaican. And I don't know, man, I, I just think, I think my parents being Jamaican and them growing up in Jamaica, that probably has a lot to do with why I enjoy gardening. They told me a bunch of stories about them growing things when they were younger or just being around tropical fruits mm-hmm. and they're just being so plentiful. Right. So maybe I just kind of try to recreate that now. I don't know. Nice. Nice. Right. That's so for Caribbeans, I think Caribbeans, we kind of, we kind of have an ideology that uh-huh. food, we, we like to grow flowers too, but more so, you know, food that we can pick and eat. Mm-hmm. Boy. Yeah, I was just going to say that we're all islanders here. Tim, you may not know this. I'm originally from Haiti. So I grew up like you did with my parents doing all kinds of gardening. I grew up in Florida. So even till this day, the home that my mom lives in now is full of stuff, banana trees, sugar cane and yams and potatoes and all that stuff. But unlike you <laughs> growing up, I didn't really take it. I didn't. It's not that I didn't see the benefit of it. I just didn't pay attention. And now I so wish I had. I've tried prior when I bought my first home. I tried and nothing ever took. But this last year with everyone going through the pandemic, creating quarantine gardens, I did the same and some things took. So I'm getting into it. I'm trying to learn more and I'm in Georgia now. So we're a little bit more cooler or colder than Florida is during the winter months. So I have a lot of questions for you. I'm going to start with just some basic ones. What are basic gardening tips that you can give everyone? Think of your plants like they were people. All right. So they just need the same things that we need. They need food. So they need fertilizer. They need a nice, a nice house, a nice place to rest their head. So that's just good, healthy soil. They need water. Mm. And just like us, if you give them too much water, they will drown. Mm. Right. So just some basics are try to get really good potting soil, try to get really good compost if possible, and then don't overwater it. <laughs> I yeah. think a lot of problems People, when they first get into gardening, they think they need to water their plants every day or multiple times a day, and you end up giving too much water to your plant. 
But I think that's because people are always hearing like, you don't water your plants, it's going to die. Make sure you water your plants. So the idea in my head is make sure you get that plant some water. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. That is true. But I think I think people do it excessively. They told you it that. needs water, but they didn't tell you it needs to drown 30 it. minutes worth of water every <laughs> single day. You know, <laughs> let that man get a glass. That's it. You know, that is so true. You know, when I reached out to you for this podcast, I was thinking of a lesson that my elementary school teacher taught me. And she gave everyone in the class like a small pizza plant. And kind of like, you know, just like a little red solo cup. And she put some dirt, fertilizer, and it was up to you to keep that plant alive. And if you kept Mm -hmm. the plant alive at the end of the school year, she gave you like candy or something like that. And, you know, like as a kid in elementary (laughs) school, that's something that you want. So, I mean, faithful watering. I put it on the windowsill to get some sun. And every single person's pee died due to overhydration but all the kids mm-hmm. that class consistently their plants grew and i'm just like hold up <laughs> what is going on and so she explains what she kind of like as an object lesson saying that you know you just need to water it leave it alone you don't need to water it every day you don't need to fill up the solo cup to the same amount that the soil is and i was just like wow you know that was really like my first lesson in gardening despite my right everything. So, you know, I wanted to ask you about soil because, you know, just like you said earlier, gardening basics include, you know, just like people. So people, I think people need a good foundation and plants need a good foundation too. So I live in Florida and it's very sandy here. So, Mm -hmm. and I didn't know that until somebody told me, I was just like, oh, okay. (laughs) Plants can just grow anywhere in my ignorance. So what kind of soil is needed to plant a garden? And then the second part is how can you tell what kind of soil you have? Like if you need to like fertilize it and nurture it and and compost it a bit more. So if you look in a book, the book of science book is going to tell you, you need a mix of sand, dirt and silt. And when you combine those three together in the perfect ratio, then you get great soil. But what you really find out, right, is, is it, there's not one thing that you do to all soils except for add compost. But where you live, you say it's sandy soil. Where I live, I have a gumbo soil. So it's a lot of clay, a lot of dirt, and a lot of sand mix. So it's almost yeah. like clay. I have um, clay too. So, yeah, you do in Georgia. So there's not just a recommendation that works for everybody. But what I will say is that no matter what your soil is, you can always benefit from using compost, mm-hmm. right? So I think okay. when it comes to soil, people, you should think about it almost like you're just putting life into the soil and then the soil will take care of your plant. So okay. where you are with the sandy soil, you just need to come back and dump a lot of organic matter, a lot of life into the soil, and then it will slowly start to transform the consistency of your sand into the right consistency to grow. I remember when I first moved here, you know, was doing a lot of composting, breaking up like a lot of leaves and composting them and burying it into the soil. Did I need to buy earthworms to break down that compost or will nature do that on its own? (laughs) No, nature will do it on its own. I mean, earthworms will speed it up, but once you put it into the earth, everything 
there's microorganisms we don't know, don't see that are inside of the earth a few inches down in the soil. Once they get around that organic matter, they start to eat it and break it down. Like I say, the earthworms would just speed the process along. So are earthworms better if you are like a raised bed or potting type of person rather than straight to the ground? So it depends on what kind of earthworms. There's different types of earthworms. So if you're talking about earthworms to compost Mm -hmm. where you can feed them your food scraps, then those are like a, a red wiggler type of worm. And those do not do well deep in the soil. They also don't really do well in the soil. You keep them in a contained bin. But the worms that I think most people think of when they think of earthworms, the longer ones Mm -hmm. that kind of when you dig in the ground, you'll find them. Mm -hmm. Those will end up in your raised bed or in your in-ground bed. It's just a matter of bringing enough life to the area to attract all of these earthworms. Okay. I mean, I was asking because I was thinking of the organic matter part and the breaking down part. And I'm thinking, okay, so if you have something straight in the ground in the earth, it's most likely better than having it in a raised bed or in a pot. And I'm I'm a pot and raised bed gardener right now. <laughs> so most of my things are in there. So I'm thinking, and I, I'm not really fond of animals and insects and all that stuff. So I don't want them to deal with worms. <laughs> So I don't know that there is one better in-ground bed or raised beds. I personally like in-ground beds just Mm -hmm. for the reason, like, I don't know, I feel more connected to the earth whenever Mm -hmm. I garden in in in-ground beds. I can see that. But that's just a personal preference. I guess another reason why I like in-ground beds, but this is nothing against raised beds. I have raised beds and still use raised beds. I just know that with in-ground beds, I feel more connected to the earth. And then also all of the raised beds, you have to go and buy soil for those beds, right? Mm -hmm. And then that soil, you know, it's like the fossil fuels and they have to make it, they have to bag it, they have to ship it across the country. Or if you're lucky, you can buy it from a local place. But I just feel like unless I'm buying the soil from a local soil yard, then I would rather just make an in-ground bed and kind of like, you know, Mother Earth, hey, look out for me. I'm trying to I'm trying to fix a little bit of your earth right here. Right. So go ahead right. and define for us so that the audience is, you know, on the same page, the difference between an in-ground bed and a raised bed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So an in-ground bed, I would say, is what most people think of when they think of farming. Right. You think of long rows. It's just dirt, dirt that's right connected to the ground. And when I refer to raised beds, that's where people go and they build structures, whether you make them out of wood Mm -hmm. or bricks or cinder blocks, whatever you decide to use. But you're actually putting dirt or putting soil on top of the ground in some sort of container. Okay. So can you reuse soil? Like, so I told you guys I have raised beds, not in ground. And I have soil from last year. It's cold now, but we're getting into the preparations for spring and all that stuff. And I have all that soil that's in my raised bed. And I'm sure others who are listening are in the same boat as I am. What would we need to do to get that soil ready? Or do we have to get a whole new soils? 
No, 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 you don't need new soil. If you think about it, when it comes to the soil, again, we are just, our job is just to try to get as much life into that soil as possible. So if you had the garden and last season you grew a bunch of things, Mm -hmm. they remove the good portion of life of nutrients out of the soil. Mm -hmm. You're just going back now and putting some more nutrients in the soil. Gotcha. Now you can do that through organic fertilizers, the ones that you go to the store, they're ready made, they're granular. You could throw that in there, mix Mm -hmm. that in, or you could do it through with compost, which is one of my favorite ways to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, or you can do it with just a bunch of different organic amendments. It's really hard again, to say you need to do this, this, and this, because it really also depends on what was growing in that soil the previous season. Gotcha. If I can just give one generic recommendation, I would just say get compost or earthworm castings and throw that into your raised bed, mix it around a little bit. You don't need to dig too deep. You can literally just mix it into the top inch or so of your soil and then you're good. I have a composter and again, this is all due to me. So it's been cold out here. So I haven't gone out (laughs) to flip the tumbler. I haven't added more things to it probably since I would say November. Do you think that thing is still good out there or is it like what? You think it's still good? Because I haven't been, you know, as I was adding things, I saw it adding things throughout the fall and late summer when I got my composter, I saw things start to break down as the months went by. But again, I haven't looked at it since November. No, the compost is fine. Whatever is in there is fine. So the compost, it, it heats up. And then as it heats up, it starts to break things down. If the temperature changes, all that happens is it slows down the decomposition process. Mm -hmm. So things are still breaking down, just not at the rate that they were before. Okay. So is it good even in the winter times to still go ahead and add stuff in there? Because it's it's just going to break down slower, as you just said. But we should still be adding stuff the whole year in our composter. Yes, you can add stuff all year long. Okay. I know I know that we're spending a lot of time on soil and I don't know why, but it's intriguing. <laughs> so let's move along to seeds and seedlings. You know, I've seen at the different farmers markets here that, you know, mm-hmm. they seeds and they also sell seedlings. So what would you say for a beginner like me? I'm not as advanced as Joanne is the best way to <laughs> is the best way to start a garden from the seeds themselves or like a seedling from a seedling. I love to grow from seed, but I think that when you're first getting started gardening, you Mm -hmm. should definitely be growing from seedlings. Well, you should grow certain things from seedlings, then you should grow other things directly from seeds. Yeah, I, I think that seedlings are a great way for new gardeners to really just get started. It Mm kind of takes a lot of the work out because whenever you get started with, with growing seeds, Depending on what you are growing, you're going to need some other things to help you grow these seeds. So let's say tomatoes or peppers, right? Because it's about Mm -hmm. to be that time of year. Mm -hmm. You have to start tomatoes and peppers eight to 12 weeks before you Mm -hmm. plan on planting them outside. Mm -hmm. So if you're new to gardening, I don't think you want to put that much stress on yourself. 
Right. Or if you don't have the space. Exactly. If you don't have the space, because you're going to need, you're going to need some sort of shelf or flat surface to hold your seedlings. You're going to need a light of some sort above your seedlings. So I think that a lot of people, beginners should start with seedlings. And then as, as you grow in your gardening adventure, as you garden more and more, I think you'll just naturally move to starting things from seeds because you'll get tired of growing all of the same things. Mm. And one thing with seedlings, whenever you go to the nurseries, they basically have the same plants every single year. Because those are those are proven to grow and proven to do well. Mm-hmm. So if you get tired of growing a certain red tomato, you want to grow a purple one or yellow one, then you'll switch over to growing it from seed yourself. Right. And I think motivation plays a key in this as well, because I was motivated last year. I was like, I don't know where we're going to get food if the grocery stores run out of food. So I, I was on the phone with my mom. I was on YouTube. I have, I still have them growing in my garage right now under grow light. I have two avocado trees that I grew from seed and my mangoes didn't make it though. They didn't make it, but my avocados are going strong. You know, it's so funny. Nice. I composted the mango seeds and now I have like three mango trees in the backyard. That is awesome. I have one more soil question. Kim wants to move on from soil, but I got a soil question. Is there a rule of thumb for the watering? Because you were saying not to water, you know, every day. So is there a rule of thumb? Because I've read something like if one inch is it, like of the soil, if you go one inch deep and if it's dry, then then you know you need to water. Is that the rule? Yes. You want to make sure that your soil is not crusted over on the top. It has. You don't want it to have a hard mm. coating because then it's hard for water to get down. So if you have that hard coating, you want to kind of throw some compost. I'm going to keep on saying compost. You're going to want to throw some compost on top to kind of help give more life to those, uh, to that soil. But then, yes, if you stick your finger in the soil and it goes down to that first knuckle and you don't feel any moisture, then yes, you need to go ahead and water. Gotcha. We're learning all about soil and seedling. <laughs> Timothy, we know you're in Texas. Joanne is in Georgia. I'm in Florida. So how important is it to know what zone you live in? And go ahead and define for us, like, you know, what is a zone for any newbies listening? Right. Because I didn't know about them until last year, really. So the zone is how the USDA breaks down different areas throughout America and really throughout the world. It kind of tells you about temperatures. It tells you about when you'll get your first freeze, your last freeze. And it also tells you your high temperatures and low temperatures. So your zone is important because it helps you know what you can plant or what will live and do well in your area. Right. Which is heartbreaking for me. And and that's a question we, we had in regards to the zones is that can you never be able to grow any kind of tropical plant? in a cooler zone or in a zone that, you know, like I'm in Georgia, my mom sent me some banana trees in December or in November, and I have them in my garage right now. Will they survive? Or even like if I'm trying to grow mango and avocado trees, will that survive in Georgia? I mean, you're going to have to do a lot of work to get these things to survive. You'll have to be able to move them in and out of Mm -hmm. like your house, your garage, whenever it starts to get cold. 
Mm-hmm. So, yes, you can grow tropical things in a non-tropical climate, but it will take work. I believe that. I brought them in. My banana trees in the garage, so is the mangoes and lemons. I think I got lemons and oranges as well. They're in the garage. So I have to bring them out again for, when is that, March, I guess? I guess that's when it's going to start getting a little warmer. I think my temperature here... Or what I read is 26 degrees and above is when I can leave my lemons outside. I've been trying to do a lot of reading on it. So it's going to be a lot of in and out for me. But I'm determined because I mangoes are my favorite fruit. I'm determined to grow some Haitian mangoes in here. Even if I have to do it in a pot or in a large pot, I'm going to get it done. I'm determined. You're going to have to do some work, but it can be done. Good, good. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. So let's talk about some other crops, though. Like potatoes, we hear often um, are called like the Armageddon food. Like they're so easy to grow everywhere. How easy are they really to grow? And what would make potatoes not grow? Because I had that experience last year where my russet potatoes, they were organic and all that. I thought I followed all the directions from that YouTube video I watched. And those things did not grow past like a golf size. They weren't even a golf size. They were so small and they were there for like four and a half months. They were underground. It was underground, but it was in a bag, a grow bag, but it didn't grow. So are potatoes really the Armageddon food and what, what can you do to make them grow? Yeah, I could see why people say potatoes are an Armageddon food. They are relatively easy to grow as long as you start them at the right time and you grow the right variety of potato for your region, right? Some potatoes want it colder than than others. You also need to make sure that whenever you're planting a potato, it has to have eyes. It needs to look like it's sprouted. You need to see little areas of green on it. Mm -hmm. It's a relatively easy food to grow. You could just throw it in in a pot and as it grows, you would just keep putting a little bit more soil on top of the plant because the potatoes, they grow up. That's why people right. tell you to kill potatoes. Yeah, I could see them being an Armageddon food, but I think there's other foods that could also be Armageddon foods like that, that are relatively easy to grow, like potatoes. I think sweet potatoes also. I think yams also. Mm-hmm. These are kind of like you, you can start them. And if you don't harvest all of your sweet potatoes out of your bed, you could mess around and have sweet potatoes the next year and the next year. They'll kind of just multiply within your bed if you don't have any hard freezes. So I don't know about in Georgia, that probably wouldn't happen. No, it's not going to happen here. It gets yeah. cold. But, you know, when I was saying potatoes, I was including sweet potatoes as well. And the funny thing is my family all over the dang country that they've tried, like my family in Jersey, they tried growing potatoes there and theirs took they didn't have any problems. But my uncle, who, you know, they're Haitian, and he's like, what is the slip business you're talking about? You just throw a potato in the ground, sweet potato in the ground, it's going to grow. The slip business, because I had, you know, potatoes in cups growing slips to take the slips to put it in, you know, the soil when it was time to grow. And he was like, in Haiti, we throw a potato in the ground and it grows. We don't do slips and all that, you know. So is it important to do slips? for your sweet potatoes? And is it better to do slips, to grow your slips from water or putting the potato in soil? Because I've seen people do that like in their garage on 
online, I've seen videos of this, of them putting the potatoes in like a, a pot and letting the slips grow from there instead of the water. And they said it was better than the water because it got more nutrients. So that's what I'm trying this year. So is it necessary to plant from slips? It depends on where you live. Down in Haiti, you could just throw it in the ground and it's going to grow. Mm-hmm. But if you live in a colder climate, the slips help you get in the ground faster or sooner mm. so that you're able to still get a harvest. Gotcha. So, yeah, it depends on where you live. And then as far as whether you start the slips in water or you start them in soil, it doesn't matter and it doesn't affect the slips. I've done it both ways and still do it both ways. Okay, it's cool to suspend the sweet potato in water and watch them grow that way. I enjoy watching it. But at the same time, like on my patio, I can just throw a, I'm like a baking dish, one of the foil baking dishes, mm-hmm. fill it with potting soil and drop two sweet potatoes in there and just keep the soil moist. It will continue to put out slips. That's what I did. I mean, it wasn't a foil. I had a pot in the garage from the mangoes that had died. And so I added fertilizer to it, whatever I had here. I think it was like seaweed or something like that. I don't even remember. I add fertilizer to it and then I just stuck it in the ground. But it's cold in the garage. It's colder outside, but it's still cold in the garage. So I feel like I don't know how well it's going to do. And I had the idea of cutting them in half, but I was afraid of damaging them. So I didn't do that. But I've seen that done. You can cut it in half, but you don't need to. I don't know how many sweet potatoes you plan on growing, but if you throw one sweet potato out there, you're going to get enough slips to plant a lot of sweet potatoes in your garden. Oh, okay. I got two. So that's going to be great. And and I'm going to the farmer's market because, again, the Haitian and me, sweet potatoes are an American potato, like the orange potatoes. And we're like the boniato type of people in my house. So I got to go find me some boniatos to plant. <laughs> We call them Bonita. You, you know what y'all call them? That's not what they call them in Haiti, but that's what I see at the store. We just call them patat, patat. So, Timothy, I'm, I'm curious to know, because, you know, I've, I've looked at your Instagram page and I am just amazed at mm-hmm. grow for you and your family. How much of the food that you you grow ends up on your table, like percent wise? So, you know, I I have kids and they don't necessarily want to eat the same things that I do all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. So now how much of it ends up on my plate throughout the fall and winter and into early spring? I don't buy any salad greens from the store. I just grow the salad outside. I try to grow enough onions when it's time to be able to have a one month or two month supply of onions. I can't say that. Like 50% of my food comes from out here because I don't know, but a lot, a lot of it does, right? Because I I eat mostly vegetarian. So a, a lot of the vegetables that I grow or the greens that I grow end up on my plate. Any little bit matters. And that's what we're, we're aspiring to do in these uncertain times. These <laughs> uncertain times. You just never know. I was hearing about mm-hmm. like, it the other day. I don't remember. I think it was flour. At the time of this recording, guys, yeah, I was reading about a flower food shortage. I don't know. I didn't really look into the article, but, you know, I really think that it's imperative that everyone starts a garden. I'm, I'm surviving off of my parents' garden right now, but I need to stop being lazy and get my hands. And get yourself together. Right, right. I, I have another question about winter gardening. I did garlic. I'm 
surprised and so excited that I still see the greens up there. I haven't watered them though, Timothy. I didn't think I should have because it's cold. I'm thinking if I water it, it's just going to freeze them. So I just did, you know, I did the fertilization, the treatment of them before I put them in the ground and then I put them in ground and the green sprouted before the first frost. Is that what it's called? The first frost? I think that's correct terminology. And it's been staying green. And I'm like, oh, snap. I'm about to get me some garlic because I garlic is in everything that I cook as a Haitian. The thing about garlic, it takes like nine months, right, for it to harvest. So I'm not going to get them until June or May. But I do see that these dang squirrels are always digging around my dang garlic. And I'm not happy about that. But they haven't dug them out. They've dug around them. And I'll find the holes through the hay because I laid hay to keep it moist or whatever it is um, that I was supposed to do. I did that. And um, so I've seen them dig through it. And I don't know if they're, they're burying something. I don't know. How do us new gardeners keep the critters out? Please enlighten us. I don't actually have an answer for that one because <laughs> I mean, how would you get squirrels out? I would give them, I'd put a bird feeder or something on the other side and I'd keep it full with, with food that they want. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know that we're going to be able to keep most of the critters out. I know we're in their territory. In I know. Their, right. Right. So I think we just have to work with them and Hey man, you leave this section alone. I have something for you over there. True. Maybe that's what I need. I mean, I've seen people put like a fence over their garlic, but that was too much work for me. I started a peach tree as well last year, and that's in a that's in a huge pot. And it came with peaches and they they developed and they were edible. But these dang squirrels, they got like five or six of them before I was able to. And I was like, how am I going to keep them? this time around from eating all of my peaches. I don't know. And I have a crab apple tree that is in ground that came with my house and they go through those things like crazy. So I've heard people use urine. Is that a thing? I've heard that. Really? Yes. Human urine? Yeah. I do know that you can go, you can go online and I don't know what animal it is, but they get some kind of animal's urine or maybe they just make it marking your territory and it keeps a lot of critters away interesting i just don't want my house smelling like pee (laughs) there you go there you go see i don't want those problems i don't want those issues that come with that oh my gosh you know something that worked for me last year joanne with my mango trees because you know mangoes are precious for caribbeans they are know it Mm -hmm. it's when they started coming in I realized that the squirrels liked cherries and they liked the peaches. So I would go to the store specifically for these squirrels just to keep them off my mango tree. (laughs) I hope the Department of Wildlife doesn't hear this. But what they ended up doing, they would time. They would time me. So every morning at nine o'clock, they would be at my back door. When I came home from work at 3.30, they would be there at the back door just waiting for the cherries. So I was like, these squirrels are so spoiled. See, then now you're calling them to you. Now you're calling. See, I thought you were going to say you piled it up somewhere near the woods and like, this is your food. You're you're at the back door? No. No, (laughs) ma'am. Tell us 
the audience, if they want to connect with you, where can they do so? Because I know you also started a podcast. You're on Instagram. So tell the people about that. I did start a podcast called the Just Grow It Podcast. We just kind of talk to people who are in agriculture, urban agriculture, try to introduce people to the people who grow a lot of food and who are trying to change the food scene. I'm also on Instagram at Big City Gardener. I'm on all social media platforms, YouTube, everything, Big City Gardener. Definitely link that in our description box. Yes. Thank you so much, Timothy, for coming on here and giving us your wisdom. I love seeing Black people growing things. I really do. And I feel like we've gotten more into it in the last year. And I hope that just continues, that we don't let it go if things go back to normal, if that ever comes about. I I hope that we continue this sustainable life of living partially, if anything, off the fat of your own land, as they say. Yeah, true, true. It's cool to see Black people doing it. That's really one of the reasons why I even continued to do Big City Gardener was to try to motivate more Black people to garden or just to remind them, like, your gardening is pretty cool. Being able to grow your own food and take care of yourself is is pretty cool. Don't have to rely on the grocery stores Mm -mm. at all. Exactly. So everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to connect with Timothy, please make sure to check out the show notes for this episode. Until next week, make sure to tell your friends to tell their friends to start a garden. Check out the Just Grow Up podcast and the Nutrition Lifestyles podcast. Until next time. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye.